This is the Fertile Mindset Podcast, where we explore all the emotional aspects of fertility to support you on your path to parenthood. My name is Sarah Holland. I'm the Fertile Mindset Coach and a mother to two children after my own fertility challenges. I hope you find all the support and inspiration you need within this podcast to carry you forward on your fertility journey towards your own successful outcome. It's also my wish that through listening to these episodes, you rediscover how to enjoy life now and live it to the full while you wait for your baby. Now, let's begin today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Fertile Mindset Podcast. I hope you are well and whether you are a regular listener or you have just found us, you are very welcome and I hope that you find all the support that you need here. Now today I'm inviting Kate Codrington onto the podcast for a chat about her passion, which is support before, during and after menopause and what is really needed by way of support at those times. Now you may wonder what place the menopause has on a fertility podcast. It isn't something I've heard talked about, but women are increasingly trying for babies at a later age, including when they are peri or postmenopausal. And we already know what this means for the practical part of conceiving in that they may well be pursuing donor egg or embryo treatment. But what does it mean for the woman to be embarking on parenthood at this time in her life? I believe more understanding and support is needed here, which is why I invited Kate to join us. I've known Kate for years and she's always been a passionate supporter and advocate for women at every stage of their lives. And when her new book, Second Spring, was released with a really refreshing focus on self-care and nurturing ourselves through the menopause, I knew that I wanted to talk to her about its place on a fertility journey. So I was really pleased that Kate was up for this conversation, which I believe really needs to be happening for everyone who is trying for a baby at this time. So I hope you enjoy listening. And if you'd like to continue this conversation with Kate yourself, I'm excited to share that she will be joining us in the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary for a live chat with our members. And if you're not a member yet, then we'd love you to join us for this chat with Kate, but also to plug into lots of amazing support for the emotional aspects of fertility. You can read all about Sanctuary membership and join us today at fertilemindset.com sanctuary. Now, here is my chat with Kate. Hello, Kate. It is so lovely to have you here. Welcome. How are you today? I'm really well. Thank you. The sun is shining and yeah, I'm feeling very full and really excited to have this conversation, Sarah. Yeah, thank you so much for for agreeing to join me for this conversation. Um, It was something I felt really drawn to connecting with you about as soon as I saw your book release actually which I'm sure we'll be talking about in depth um and yeah I felt that it's something the topic that we're going to be talking about today primarily is something that isn't being addressed very widely in the fertility world um and I think it needs to be and I'm going to discover I guess by talking to you how very much it's needed and what we can do to support women um who are trying for babies at a later time in their life with egg donation, embryo adoption, so on. Um, so thank you for being here and, and coming into my space to talk about something that I'm very passionate about and I know you are too. Yeah. So the book, just before anyone you know, wonders what we're talking about, I want to just cover, cover your book release, which is only fairly recent, isn't it, your book? When, when did it come out, Kate? It was out in the UK in February and US in May and now in 
Australia and New Zealand, which is extraordinary to me that it's mm. circling the globe. Traveling the world. It's available with Audible wherever you are. <laughs> I, see, I love an Audible book. I love just to be able to plug in and listen whenever I'm walking or doing anything. So that's, that's fantastic. You've got all options there. And your book is called Second Spring. Could you just give us a little idea about what Second Spring covers? Mm, second, second Spring gives a psychological map for perimenopause, for menopause, and to what might happen afterwards. And that what happens afterwards in postmenopause, that's the Second Spring. It gives a psychological map and it gives self-care. There's a lot of um, practices, prompts, nidra. And people describe it as um, a hug. Mm. <laughs> a hug of a book, which is delightful to me because my intention with it was to reassure. My other job title, I, I joke, it's a joke, really. I call myself the chief validation officer because most of my work is around validating people's feelings. Yes, <laughs> this feeling is valid and real and important, you know? Mm. Um, so it's very, it's very different from any other menopause book in that it gives you the psychological view and reassures you that the menopause process, the whole process of perimenopause and menopause has a psychological purpose that will deliver psychological growth and gifts to you and deliver you into a, essentially a more whole place where you have access to more of your skills and gifts and capacity in the world in your postmenopause life. Beautiful. I, I have started reading. I'm only about 100 pages in, but I would say that that sums it up perfectly, especially the hug and the validation. Um, and I, although I'm reading rather than listening, I'm reading every word in your voice, Kate. <laughs> like, and I just feel like I'm in this conversation with you. And it is so affirming just to have everything that I've been experiencing with perimenopause that I can now clearly see through reading your book. Um, and, and yeah, what, what a journey and what a privilege this is. You know, women are living longer now than in any other time in history, I'm guessing. Um, and we have this privilege to continue our lives through a different phase than, than we have done. So it's it's a real discovery um, through reading your book. And, and before we get into lots and lots of things that we're going to talk about in relation to motherhood and pregnancy and, and so on, um, could you tell us a little bit about the seasons? What's this whole seasonal idea about? Obviously, we've got the second spring mm. is the title of your book. And could you give us an insight into the seasons and how they apply to every woman? Yeah, sure. The seasons are that there are a construction that has been developed by Red School, the menstruality educators. And essentially, it's just like the annual seasons in the Northern Hemisphere. So in the spring and summer, we have an outer focus. Our focus is towards the outside, towards other people, towards action. And in the autumn and winter, our focus changes more towards ourselves, towards inner focus, towards healing, towards rest. So there's this constant uh, expansion and contraction. And this happens in the menstrual cycle. So within the menstrual cycle, uh, spring and summer would be post-period to ovulation. 
So your you, energy is building, you're becoming more engaged with people in the world. And autumn and winter, autumn would be the premenstrum. I'm sure that many, many listeners will be familiar with the day 21 crash. Day 20, you think that you rule the world, you're Wonder Woman, you got this, you finally got life figured out. Day, t- day 21, you want to divorce your partner, uh, that's it. Uh, you hate everything and you want to run away and burn the house down. <laughs> this is this is autumn knocking at our door. That's not just me then <laughs> that feels that. It's practically universal, it's, I would say. Yeah. Um, and it what happens here is that we suddenly realize how far away we have come from our our needs. I would mm. say, you know, because we've been serving other people and multitasking and doing everything and filling up our diaries with stuff that we're committing to. And then along comes autumn and we feel that's too much. Actually, I need this and I need this and I need more space. And winter very much is, is, is about sort of that, this, the capacity to slow down and rest and to release. I mean, physically release within the way that we release blood. So there's, a, there's this expansion and contraction that goes on and there, it's a natural balance. And too much of one or too much of the other will create imbalance. And in our culture here, the spring and summer is valued more. Mm. Our capacity to serve, our capacity to do is valued more than our capacity to nourish ourselves and to be. You know, there's no there's no argument about this. Yeah. Doing is more valued. Yeah. So there it is in the menstrual seasons. And this also operates within our life. So for in our teens, that would be spring, our 20s, moving towards summer. These seasons are all about exploring, finding out about ourselves, finding out about the world, discovering our capabilities and capacities, moving towards the full summer, where we would really be feeling a strong desire to see our spirit being effective in the world say so that you know that that would be very strongly the desire to have a baby or to have a Mm. family or to see activism to see change in our communities to uh, rise up the career ladder to really get get some stuff done you know and along comes perimenopause in autumn and we find, oh, well, this, this push to, to be seen has depleted me. And actually, I need more space. And here are my values. This is my value, not that. And this needs healing. And ouch, that hurt. <laughs> and we prioritize ourselves again so that we can really find compassion and rest in our winter. And the winter is our menopause, the deep menopause. And that moves into a second spring and a whole new cycle. So a second spring of postmenopause, where we are again exploring the world and going, blimey, what, what happened in menopause? And who am I now? And where do I want to be in the world? And what, what are my postmenopausal capacities? And how, how does it feel to be this postmenopausal body in the world? And how can I 
be effective. And then this whole new cycle begins again, moving into a second summer and a second autumn and a second winter at the end of our life. When I read that in your book, and especially the second winter, I think, really struck me. That preparation for the end of a life well-lived is really, really beautiful to see that, that double cycle going on. Um, and I don't think many of us see our lives in that way. If we, we, we don't understand menopause, we're fearful of it. We've heard horror stories. Um, it can feel like that's the end, you know, and I think it's, it's beautiful to recognize that second spring and everything that comes with it. And I've definitely got a lot of friends in their second spring and it's amazing to see them and the lives they're living and what they're doing and, and into their summer, you know, it's amazing. Um, and I guess what, what's really resonating for me on behalf of the fertility community that are listening now is that that spring summer the first time round you know that's that's when it feels the time to 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 grow a family and to nurture life and to, to make that difference in the world um, but of course although that may feel like the right time on one level it may not be the right time for lots of different reasons for for some people um, well I've, we've, I've given you this beautiful map and it looks so orderly, mm. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And so tidy. But of course, no one has a cycle like this. <laughs> and what, what happens is that the, the needs from one cycle, if they're not met, so classically, the need in spring is to be protected and to be safe. And we know that this is not true for many of us as teenagers. So this need for safety and protection then moves into our summer and and creates a conflict there. So many of us in our our summers, in our thirties are, you might, it might show up as looking, looking, looking for the right relationship. (laughs) I'm putting my hand up. You can't see me, but I'm putting my (laughs) hand up here. Where is that safety? What does that mean? You know, how do I create that in my life? Bridget Jones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we can relate, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And then, and again, I mean, I'm just talking about myself here. Then, then in the summer, even very often, we don't get to see our spirit be effective in the world for a multitude of reasons, for many, many reasons. We don't, we don't get to see that. But we still feel that massive need, that longing and I, I really speaking to the longing for a child here. And that will move into your autumn, that longing, mm. alongside the need for space, alongside the need for quiet, for truth. And this, this is a really a massive challenge because you're holding two conflicting needs together, both the need, the summary need for expression and the autumn need for time alone and true values and feeling, all the emotion that goes along with the healing process. Mm. And this is grown up stuff, you know? <laughs> this, is, this is big psychological work that yeah. we're doing here. And you, we've got right to the point of why I invited you here, Kate, because as soon as I recognize these cycles through your book and the work that you do. And I thought of the women that I support who are in their mid, early mid to late forties, early fifties, who are on that journey towards motherhood. Mm -hmm. And I can see often 
the difficulties, the challenges, the conflicts that they may be facing, all very diverse, very different because they've all got their own you know, lives that have led them to that point. But I don't feel like anyone is speaking to those women or for those women, you know, and, and, and understanding what they're experiencing on the level that you're talking about. I think we, we just seem to kind of generalize all women together, don't we? You know, it's, it's like, so you want a baby and you're just doing it later in life. And therefore these are your medical options now instead without mm-hmm. taking account of, of what that really feels like at that stage in life. Yeah. yeah. And it's so unhelpful to exclude the psychological impact of this mm. because then when we feel challenge and difficulty there's no place for it to go and we're told well you've 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 you have this option then you know just get on with it <laughs> there's, yeah there's no place there's no again it's back to validation our feelings are not validated here and that is just so important because i'm because for for to nourish our our capacity to to birth a child and to parent because our, our nervous systems need to be reasonably well regulated in order to be able to do that and hanging on to difficult feelings does not does not help mm-hmm. and you know these women in their autumn phase in the the perimenopause or whichever stage they're up to but now looking at embarking on on motherhood perhaps for the very first time as well um they've had a very well-lived life up to that point you know there's, there's a lot of history a lot of a lot of stuff they're bringing with them as well uh, in order to then prepare to start a brand new chapter you know that perhaps they're not so emotionally psychologically however as prepared for as they wish to and I know you your book like you said is is this lovely warm hug of of support and full of ideas and full of you know guidance real real practical book there's lots in there um how to sail more smoothly through these seasons and and meet what you need and when we look at autumn in relation to fertility and treatment and all the you know, the challenges that brings, because it's extra complicated, extra expensive treatment, you know, when you're bringing the donor factor. Um, And then, of course, new motherhood and beyond, isn't it? You know, it isn't just just the treatment of getting pregnant. It's that whole chapter of of life starting. So um, before you share, which I'm sure you're going to share some some great stuff with us, and I know you've got some reading recommendation, all sorts of things that you want to share. There was just a, a very short excerpt out of your book that I would love to read if that feels like a good time for you, Kate. <laughs> you want to quote me? Oh, please do. I am going to quote you. Absolutely. <laughs> I love this. I, I wrote stars and hearts all around this. It just really spoke to me. Okay. Before you make any changes at all, ask yourself, how can I be kinder to myself right now and see what comes up and keep on asking it through your day? You are a beautifully complex, magical miracle just in and out of your in and of yourself and reducing guilt judgment and self-hatred will lessen the pressure of the stress you put yourself under which will improve your symptoms this is always the best way to start Mm. yeah and as as i think you said earlier this is true for all of us at all stages of life Mm. we get very hung up on over, we have too much information on overthinking everything and over googling and over asking and there are so many groups and communities where we can gather information and people unfortunately are very 
hot to tell us what we should do based on their own experience, which is their experience. And this creates a sort, a sort of, just a completely creates overwhelm and takes us away from this central thing. Well, how, what would be kind now for myself? And whatever feels true for you, that bring that opens the way to do it with kindness. Whatever kind of uh, intervention, medical or um, complementary medicine or whatever kind of support you get yourself. Asking, how can I be compassionate to myself? How can I be kind? And if kindness is feels too simple, it's not simple. It's a complex, <laughs> it's a complex mm. thing. But if that feels too simple, then inquiring, how can I deepen my relationship with myself here? Mm. What would serve to do this for me, to deepen my relationship with myself? To, so I feel more loving towards myself and bring myself home yeah and then I, it doesn't matter if you're taking a supplement or going to see your consultant you'll do it in a in a more loving way and in a more effective way from that place and that can change everything it can change the whole experience if you you put yourself at the center of it you know i often talk about that to to my community about that the fertility journey that they're on it can feel like it's all about the baby the pregnancy the baby um the focus is there and and they get kind of they're, they're on the outskirts and they get kind of forgotten and their needs are forgotten along the way and oh they lose goodness. something don't, of themselves. Get, don't even get me started on that i i can i feel so it makes me feel so angry mm. <laughs> because mothers get left behind mm. um and i <laughs> Could I, could I talk about my experience? Would that be okay? Please do, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I had kids at um, 38 and 40. They were natural conceptions. And, you know, I, was, <laughs> I, I thought I was um, pretty together. I'd done lots of therapy and done lots of work around myself and lots of work around this. But I, I was not prepared for the revolution of motherhood and I <laughs> I coincidentally had signed up for some reason to a gov.uk a gov survey about work and education so every three months I think or four months or six months or something some nice person from doing a nice researcher would phone me up and say then are, are, are you in um, full-time education no uh, and do you have, are you in paid employment? No. <laughs> <laughs> and this just went on and on and on. And, I, you know, in a way, it's it was a gift from the, my perspective. Now it was a gift to have that, um, to have that uh, research, those researchers and the, the, the difficulty I felt because I felt I had disappeared mm. as, as a parent and I, I'd stopped work and stayed home for some years to look after my kids. I felt I had disappeared and I had completely absorbed the cultural thing about mothers mothering being not important work. And it was excruciating. And what no one told me, and I think, I mean, it's very odd. We, we are focused on the birth 
we're focused on conception, then we're focused on the birth, and then there's this big blank. <laughs> it's, it's as though we can't see beyond the curtain. And birth and menopause too, they're rites of passage. And in a rite of passage, psychologically, we have to die to ourselves and reform as something new. You know, in birth, it's becoming a mother. And this requires that we have to let go of who we thought we were. And, and I'd love to hear your take on this, what we thought mothering was about. Mm. <laughs> and it's a revolution. It's an absolute revolution. So this feeling of feeling unsupported and out of control and that we don't know what we're doing and desperately trying to hold it together is practically universal for you new mothers and if only someone would say this is normal <laughs> and you're on the right track <laughs> yeah yeah imagine how relieved I, I would have just loved someone to say it's okay this is normal to feel like you're losing it yeah and what uh, we require in this process is support is nourishment is feeding anyway tell me tell me about what you think about birth as a <laughs> Sarah, i'd love to hear my mind was flashing back to when i first became a mother there um after my own longish fertility journey but i was still only 30 when i had my baby um and i remember sitting in starbucks at the time it was with all my new but new mum friends with all our new babies of a few weeks old and we were all sitting there a bit shell-shocked comparing you know how quickly and dramatically life had changed and that the NCT class that we all took together by no means prepared us for this you know <laughs> it was all about birth and perhaps a little bit of changing nappies and, and practical stuff like that but not about actually being a mother and and how we'd we, we were quite shocked by, you know, the, the change that was needed. We were loving it and adoring that we were there and appreciative for it, but also completely shocked. And we were all kind of talking in this way. And then a pregnant woman walked in. I think a couple of pregnant women walked in very heavily pregnant. And we all looked at each other and said, shall we tell them? <laughs> I feel like we should tell them, that, you know, <laughs> be prepared. And we went, no, let's not do it. Let's let, leave them in their bubble. <laughs> They're good. Um, but, you know, I don't think anything can prepare you. However, because and it's different for everyone and you, you don't know how it's going to feel for you either um because it is that rebirth as you say but the support that you mentioned there is is key the fact that we could all sit together and and empathize with each other and support each other and when one was having a good day another one would be having a bad day so there was always someone there to lift you up um can't be understated at all and coming back to um the women that i support in their in their 40s early 50s they don't always feel that support is there I'll be really honest and I'd be interested to hear from any listeners you know how they found it but they feel like their, their friends of similar age have already gone ahead um, and already thinking ahead to retirement and grandchildren mm. or um, they worry that they'll be at this in the school playground and people will mistake them for being a grandparent mm. and they won't have anything in common with the other mums there so there is that there is that worry um, of support not being there because I think uh, in, intuitively we, we know we need that support, don't we? As women, as women go through this this huge life change and, and rite of passage, we know that support is needed. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear a bit more around 
what we because I, I also believe support starts from within yeah you know although we can look outward and need our network and need our team around us mm. um we're the ones that who are always with ourselves if you know what I mean you know we're the one constant aren't we so there's there must be that 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 intuitively feels like the place to start is yeah. is the self-care and the self-support and then we can go out and find you yeah, know our tribe as well <laughs> we have to have a degree of self-care to even get out the door mm. <laughs> to be able to <laughs> so it has to start with us yeah i think first something that i i think is really really important to name and again this is this is a chewy subject and it's not not often spoken about but ambivalence about mothering about finding yourself as a as a mother or as a parent is not ambivalence about the child so you might feel that you're lost not seen that you've lost status that you your identity has shifted and that's all rite of passage and this is extremely uncomfortable and these things are feelings that are valid and real in our culture and this does not have to do with your relationship with your child they're separate things and uh, there's a wonderful book called torn in two by Rizika parker and I'll, I'll give you the link for that for the show notes um who, she talks about this uh which is an enormously helpful book so that that's kind of the first thing that to allow yourself to feel the difficulty of it um and let go of your the judgment of your from yourself you know and that knowing that this this is different can help to soften that judgment and to bring in more kindness for the, for the difficulty um postpartum and or early years care and perimenopause are both quite similar states in a way in that hormones are unpredictable and we feel very permeable so permeable to emotion permeable to stress um and we we really really in both cases need to be nourished on all levels so take a 25 year old mum she needs to be nourished <laughs> she needs to be lying down sitting around connecting with her baby and nourished take a perimenopausal or postmenopausal mum and she needs three times what that 24 year old needs a lot of nourishment. So, you know, we're talking food, rest, reassurance, people around her. Though on that sort of level, we need, you're going to need a lot more and a lot more than you think is reasonable. Mm. Which brings me to my other thing, which is to just don't bother comparing yourself to other people. <laughs> just, just don't bother and definitely don't bother comparing yourself to women who are, to mothers who are younger because they have more energy and will ping back and be, be just have more energy and more resilience just because of their, they haven't lived as much as you have. And that's just how it is. And there's no point in comparing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And in every area of life, I think we can say that's a golden rule to live oh, by. God, yeah. 
and it's hard but you know it, it comes up and it's in our faces all the time but really there's the, it's just yeah. really a waste of energy when we're speaking to women who are at that stage now where they're perhaps researching donor treatment or they're embarking on their first cycle or or partway through you know IVF treatment to become a mother in their their autumn of life how can they prepare for that what can you know what advice have you got I think that it's really helpful to remember that your primary job and the most beautiful and important gift you can give a child is contact and connection and that is if you can do that well enough okay seriously good enough mother letting go of expectations if you can give your child connection and contact that is an absolute gift that will change their life that will set them up for a fabulous life and that's something that we can do in our autumn life autumns and life winters. We are very, very good at that. We are wired in our autumns and winters for connection, more so than we were in our life spring and life summer. Okay, so that's definitely something we get better at. So can I just mention something that just came to mind as you said that? Mm. In how we watch our parents become grandparents, and how we notice how they seem to have much more time and more patience with our children than they did for us as children. Yeah. That's interesting looking at it from that seasonal perspective. For exactly. Them. It's mm. all right there. And if you look into the changes in brain in brain developed postmenopause, that's what's happening. We're wired for connection. We're wired for holding. And the thing that we're not very good at in, in our and our perimenopause and postmenopause is running around going to taking kids to classes and entertainment and unfortunately in what I see and what what how I felt when I was when I had young children was that stimulation and education and experiences for children are highly prized over connection and what it's a little bit judgmental but what 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 seems to happen is that you end up with overstimulated children who feel a bit lost because running around to the next class is more important than listening mm -hmm. because there's not much time for listening when you have to you know do rush from nursery to to a swim class or whatever you know kids kids my, my i have teenagers they're 18 and 16 and i have found parenting to be very very difficult it's the most been the most challenging and delicious and growthful and hilarious <laughs> experience of my life but they kind of get there in the end you know they kind of do it themselves but what they need to get there is connection yeah and yeah. second best to connecting and holding your child and listening and all, all, those, all those things is being a good role model. And we have to be mindful to be a well-rested role model, to model rest well. Because if we continue to uh, live life as, you know, 
you know, to live, to get back to how we used to be, to ping back to how it was before, where we're doing 50,000 things and we're multitasking and very, very busy. Essentially, we're risking teaching our child how to burn out. That's a bit, I've got my pointy finger out here. (laughs) But it's true. You know, one of the central things I ask clients and my community, and it's in it's in Second Spring as well, is what is your relationship to rest? And I have yet to meet anybody who has who was gifted a healthy relationship to rest and activity by their birth family. Yeah. And I think that's something we're all becoming much more aware of that need for rest as our lives become so much busier. You know. We talked about the seasons at the start. We talked about the challenges of, of parenting and maybe for the first time as a new parent in autumn and winter of life. Um, when you mentioned about getting to know our cycles, you know, and get to know what's coming next and prepare ourselves for that stage, which your book does beautifully. So definitely putting the link in to the show notes as well. I, I recommend everyone to read that where, whichever stage you're at in your life. Um, once we have that preparation and we know what is coming, Actually, there are real gifts there too that you've oh, mentioned. Completely. So yeah, yeah, but we really need to to identify those, don't we, and and value them mm-hmm. as opposed to what we we feel we should be doing, you know, that other people are doing or whatever. So so that's been a really really fascinating conversation. Thank you, Kate, for joining us. Really beautiful. Um, please, thank you, rem- thank you. Yes, <laughs> I I I just think that we can't talk enough about the the challenges that we face of having children in older life and and how we can hold each other in this yeah yeah absolutely thank you could you let us know how to connect with you find out more about you online where can we find you Yes, I, my website is katecodrington.co.uk and there's a treasure trove of free resources of meditations and nidra and charts, in a, not charts, graphics of the, the seasons that you can download and stick on your fridge. Katecodrington.co.uk <laughs> um, and I'm on Instagram at kate underscore codrington. Beautiful, thank you. We will pop the links in the show notes as well, as well as the the book you mentioned. And of course, your book too, Second Spring. Thank you, Kate. It's been really, really lovely to speak to you today. I really appreciate you you taking this time to speak to me and the fertility community as a whole. I think this is a really important conversation to have. And I hope this sparks other conversations and other thought processes and and actions that people start taking and, and really taking extra special care of themselves. So thank you, Kate. Thank you. I'm so pleased you're listening to the Fertile Mindset podcast. And now I would love to invite you to join us in the Fertile Mindset Sanctuary. The Sanctuary is my fertility support membership, which is focused on taking care of you and helping you enjoy your life while you wait for your baby. In the sanctuary, I'll guide you through using an amazing technique called EFT or tapping, and you'll soon be feeling less stressed and more joyful. If you're not already in the sanctuary, do come and join us today because the best time to start receiving support on your fertility journey is always right now. Honestly, it makes such a difference to have good quality emotional support and techniques that you can pick up and use yourself whenever you need them. Go to fertilemindset.com slash sanctuary to join us today. 
I look forward to hopefully seeing you there and at the next episode of the Fertile Mindset Podcast.